Boys and girls, children of all ages, Potty's War is back for the first time in... Well, the Dodgers weren't the World Series champions at the time, so that's been a, a while, at least. Well, I'm happy about the Dodgers, because we all know my, my, my team alliances make no sense. But yes, yeah, so you know me, or you should know me if you've listened to this show before, Andrew Snowflake Balls. And I'm doing the, uh, the intro, because we're missing a person. We're down, we're down the wonderful... You know, MVP, the uh, the Velveteen Pipes, the Vel. Well, may I shouldn't say Velveteen because that's going to give some uh, some interesting implications. So let's just stick with Velvet Pipes. He's uh, he's off on assignment, doing things, getting his mojo. Hopefully, not too much mojo, or Amber's going to yell at him. But we got a wonderful stand-in, whom you all know in a different part, because before he was pretending to be the Commissioner Pisitani, but now he just gets to be on-air talent and talk for fun. So everybody, say hello to Big Dave. What is up, guys? Yes, the Dodgers, world champions, much too... Eh, I don't even know if I'm disappointed. I mean, the Nat, after what the Nats did to him last year, fine. Whatever. Have your party. 32 I'm- years, I guess that's long enough. I'm not even going to go crazy about it because it's still quarantine year. It's still quarantine, shortened season, so it, it only counts so much. I look at it more as karma because the Astros screwed them and then the commissioner went on record calling the trophy a piece of metal and saying that it made no sense to take away the title reign. So it, it's just karma to me. That's all. It's just nice to see the Dodgers finally pull it out and Kershaw to get that monkey off his back. They were by far and away the best team in baseball for this abbreviated season. And when you come back against a team like the Braves and you're down three to one, and then you beat a team like the Rays, you know, you've earned it. You can put an asterisk next to it all you want. But I mean, I just think all these champions, you know, the lightning, the Lakers, the Dodgers, (laughs) you win a title under these circumstances, there shouldn't be an asterisk next to any of that shit. That's just my opinion. No, that, that, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. And since I already I mentioned that you pretended to be him a few weeks ago and he's back in full force, we get our, our original moderator, the commissioner. PC Tani's back in the house. I was this where I say intercantinental, or is this where I say Pot is Wars brought to you by thechairshot.com? Oh, you can do that if you thechairshot.com. Always use your head. I, I would also like to let you know that Ray, Cash, and myself on Three Man Weave this week. Follow us at three underscore man underscore weave. No, I think there's only one underscore. I don't know. You'll find it. It's on the chair shot this week, though. Yeah. 
Way to pimp it, Tony. <laughs> we had DP. We had the scientist with us. But I told them that Christopher Platt enjoyed the uh, movie version of Cats so much that he is off getting a tail implant right now. So he'll be back with us next week. I also want to let you know that, no, it's true. And whiskers, the screw in whiskers, too, in his face on each side of his mouth. He can get. He can take them out to go to work, and then he can put them back in. He he fell in love with the movie. What do you? Why are you mad at me? I think more people enjoyed Last Jedi than Cats, so you should have probably went for a different movie. Cats was fucking terrible. <laughs> Tell that to Chris next week when he comes back with a tail and whiskers. Okay. Okay. All okay. Right. Yeah. I, I could. I, could also, I really hope he. I really hope he does. Well, it's worth. <laughs> it, it must be worth it because he's missing. The premiere of season four of Pod is War. That's right. This is officially the beginning of season four of Pod is War. There you go. I'm on the season premiere of something other than Attitude of Aggression or Bandwagon Nerds. I feel good. Are you kidding me? You're on all the big shows. You were just on DWI 250. You got Bandwagon Nerds 50th episode coming up. Season premiere of, uh, you know, season four of hottest war what what more could you want yeah i know i mean i went one for three on hell in a cell matches on my our prediction show <laughs> awesome but, but you get... were on the show that's what matters we're, we're gonna there. get to that that's right we're gonna that's get to right that. we're gonna get to that uh, well, all right. So th- this is nice. We've, we've got a nice rapport on Pot is War season four. So should we get into number one, or do you want to, you know, kick us off with more plugging, or do we do plugging later? Now that Chris isn't here, it's just all off the rails. More off the rails. Well, what do, well, would you like, Mister Moderator? I would say before we get into topic number one, while you're listening to this podcast, open up your internet browser, head on over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Make yourself mucklore. Look, mucklore. You know, if you talk too fast, the first continents, continents, the continents, is get, getting even worse. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. tectonic shift messes up all of your continents. I think I was trying to say make yourself look more aesthetically pleasing at your next indie show. There you go. fantastic. Let's get into it. Topic number one. I love this. That's right, folks, and before you knew it, you were knee-deep in the middle of the Halloween episode of Pot is War. That's right. All right, Hell in a Cell, I'm going to introduce this topic like so, because I was impressed with this this pay-per-view so much, and here's why. It felt special. 
Not everybody and their mother was on this show. I understand it ended up being six matches, but the pre-show match was a pre-show match. Okay? Mm-hmm. The other two matches served purposes because you needed to put matches in between the Hell in a Cells because you had three Hell in a Cell matches, which to me were all excellent in their own way. Gentlemen, please pontificate. I mean, I'll just start off with the something strange is that I agree. I enjoyed the shit out of this show. The Hell in a Cell matches were great. The show was great. And I'm the not the WWE guy. So, Dave, you, you can do most of the heavy lifting on this because WWE is way more your thing than my thing. I just wanted to make sure everybody knew that I'm I, in agreement. Hell in a Cell was pretty goddamn good this year. Before you before you, before you you go, and, and I want you to go, and, and un, unabashed, right? And I'll shut up in two seconds, but it is so, 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 so apropos that Christopher Platt is not here when Andrew just comes right out and only thing he says is, I really enjoyed this WWE show. Dave, don't let Andrew talk. <laughs> Go. I want to hear more of what Andrew has to say. Yeah! But, uh, I, <laughs> I enjoyed the show a lot. I, look, I thought two of the Hell in a Cell matches were fantastic. The third one was good. A little too paint by the numbers for me. Too predictable, but it was I good. Think that's a really the undercard good matches. I didn't give a shit about. I mean, I, I did kind of like the swerve on, on on the whole Otis Miz thing, a little bit. Yeah, I mean that was cool, but yeah, I, I mean Elias and Jeff Hardy didn't do it for me. Uh, Lashley destroying slap nuts. Who gives a shit? Uh, you know, Retribution just gets buried even more. Four on one, and Lashley beats the fuck out of him. So I, I didn't care about that, but. The three cell matches carried this and made this a very, very, very good pay-per-view. Um, so I agree with you guys there. And two of those Hell in a Cell matches were fantastic. One of them is, as far as I'm concerned, the woman's match of the year, if you, not the match of the year. Have you guys watched the Bailey? is it Untold or Chron- the Bailey Chronicle on WWE Network? There's two things you need to go watch on yeah. WWE Network. You should go watch Untold with Randy Orton and The Undertaker. That was fantastic, yes. But you should go watch the Bailey, the Chronicle with Bailey, because it's literally the month and a the month and a half leading up to this match that they just had. And if you didn't know, her stepdad passed away like a week before this this show, so like she was a wreck the whole week. And to come out and have that kind of match, I thought is just a a testament to who she's become, uh, one of the best female workers in the world possibly you know all time top 20 to not be even arguing about it in my opinion she is probably even by my own standards in my own mind looking at her i'd say i've underrated her in a lot of places not when she was in nxt no she was fantastic in 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 the on the main roster it's been a little hit and miss and for probably the first half of her reign as SmackDown Women's Champion, I was just like, yeah, okay, that's fine. When she turned heel and then really started to expand her character to a certain extent and started to grow into that heel role, and then this stuff with Sasha the last couple of months, she has been absolutely fantastic. And her in-ring stuff has improved as she's gone along. She's looked, I mean, this match was every bit as good all right, let let me not uh, get carried. Let me not get carried away. It I was know where not, you're going with that. That's no, like, I, I, 
I, it was not. It was not Takeover Brooklyn one, and it. I would say it was right up there with their Iron Woman match, though. I could. I could. I could support that one. I think, but you know, that's that's a match you just you just don't see on the main roster. Probably, you know, you compare Sasha and Charlotte. I mean. I think it was better than that. I don't know if I'd say better than Sasha Becky because that was a hell of a match too. Which, which Sasha Charlotte? The one where Sasha tried the, to the, the first the cell match. The right? hell, the, the cell match. I'm talking that about cell match. Was shot I think Sasha the most. I think the most underrated Sasha and Charlotte match is the one they had on Raw where they were putting the submission on each other in the crowd with un, yes. over the rail in the guardrails. Oh, that yeah, was yeah, that yeah. was one of the most. That was one of the best matches on Raw in the last decade. Yep, agreed. Mm-hmm. Agree, but I mean, as far as this match at Hell in a Cell, the story they told was excellent. It was it was very even. It was very back and forth. It was I mean, they got creative. Sasha really carried a lot of stuff in the early goings. Bailey really laid a whooping on her in the last half. I mean that that whip into the uh, the chair wedged between the turnbuckles was nasty, and just you know, and and it ended really well with the whole uh, the the bank statement through the chair thing. To counter, because Bailey was going to go for that Bailey to belly onto the chair, and Sasha reversed it and got the tap out. I absolutely love that match. Best women's match I've seen by far this year, and that includes Thunder Rosa versus Sheeta, which I thought was really good as well. But yeah, Bailey and Sasha tore it the fuck down, and that was the match of the night easily for me, I thought. I'm still going to give match of the night to Roman and Jay, because that, that was pro wrestling that was a storytelling who cares about work rate that had you invested and that was just it was so fun to watch the character progression and even when jimmy got involved it didn't feel overbooked it felt like just the the added the added piece to get jay to submit or to say i quit which was perfect like jay was going to be stubborn and not say i quit just like any of us have cousins or siblings you're not going to want to quit to your sibling like fuck that guy like you know you want to beat him you want to show him that you're as good as but then he starts picking on your little brother or like the cousin that you really like or that you're protective over and then you're like all right all right all right i quit could leave him alone like you know stop, stop screwing with him like that it was so good in like a family dynamic way and often Sika coming out at the end and i love the fact that with roman's last two matches with jay it's very audible what he's saying and it just it sinks you into that family dynamic which who gives a fuck about the tribal chief thing and the Heyman thing I don't care about the the gimmick or what the hell they're trying to throw on him everybody's got that cousin that brother that sister that you're competitive with or even a best friend if you're an only child like you you've got that person who's like a sibling to you and you kind of just sink into that and you understand you understand the struggle. You understand the stubbornness. You understand I'm better than you. Just watch me prove it to you. Why don't you just admit that I'm fucking better than you? And it's it's so good. And then even watching Roman break down for a second just as a way to kind of lure Jimmy in for that front neck lock. Like, it's just – it was fucking great. Like, Roman has gone from a paint-by-numbers Samoan John Cena – too like he fucking gets it and he's just he is that Samoan sex machine that I've been calling him for the last couple years like he is just so fucking good no he he, everything you said I mean Roman Reigns range of acting and and maybe it was there all the time 
like a lot of us suspected, and Vince just stifled it because he insisted on scripting him. And I don't get the impression that Roman scripted that much anymore. I mean, Heyman's probably helping him with some things, but I don't get the impression that there's, you know, it, it seems more bullet point oriented, and they're just kind of letting Roman roll gives with him the carte blanche too. If you think about it, if Heyman goes to Vince and goes, ah, I think he's got it. Let, let's see if he can. Right. Let's see if the kid can ride with this. And then and he comes he, out with that shit, and that's gold. Dude, that acting job, when he broke down, I mean, let's be honest. When you're talking about real actors, you know, not, I mean, WWE guys are real actors. Make no mistake. They're not perceived that way, but they are real actors. One take. Have you seen the Marines? When one, he, they're one, the Marine two, and three, and, um, like what I the said, WWE no actors are real two actors. And one. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> They're one take actors though in their day in their in their job, their shoot job, their shoot job is to be WWE superstars. And they are one take actors that get it right a phenomenally high percentage of the time. Exactly. When you can turn on tears like Roman did and make it believable and make you really think he's really breaking down. This is a guy who's cracking, who doesn't know who he is, and you can literally feel the conflict within him, or so you think. That's talent that a lot of people don't have. And Andrew, that's every professional wrestler that's taking it one take on on TV. I don't want you to look at me. You looked at you gave me the look when I said WWE oh, I and didn't include everybody I'm just, else. I am taking the piss That's out every of this professional movie. wrestler except for New Japan. No, I'm just kidding. Movie, sir. <laughs> like Knucklehead is not going to get a fucking award if you I don't my think drift. that's what like, No, but that's not what he meant. That's not what Dave meant. I, like it takes talent to do what Roman did, so it's more putting Roman over than WWE superstars in general. Yes, yes. They don't. Not all... everybody can listen, do that. Listen, some some other guys do that, and it feels fake as shit. I Roman yes. made it believable. I don't know. I need one thing, and I could do without one thing. The one thing I need is a beer. So I'm going to say, tell you the one thing I don't didn't need, and then I'll be right back. Is I I didn't need Roman Reigns to cry. <laughs> He leaves us on that, Andrew. I mean, come on. The fact that he could that he could cry on command is to me. It's like, wow. That I mean, I really thought, damn. You know, he's really showing some remorse and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, that that match was really good. I mean, match quality wise, yeah. Bailey Sasha every single day of the week and twice on Sunday over that match. But I still I, like like you're saying, Andrew. The story that they told. And that match was a very different story than Sasha and Bailey were telling. But, I mean, yeah, getting the family involved, the, the, there was so much more on the line from a familial kind of point of view with that match that it had an extra, it had an extra layer of intensity to it. And, I mean, yeah, kudos to Jay for putting up the good fight, but there is nobody in the WWE right now, nobody, including Randy Orton, who is doing the work of Roman Reigns. I don't. I don't see him anywhere. I, I mean, he is just. What do you think? Really? The, ele- what do you think the conversation was like when Roman went to Vince and pitched him and Jey Uso having a program? Did he start off with, "Listen, listen, Vince, Jay's brother has really fucked him over out of a lot of paychecks over the years with his shenanigans. Do you think we could have a program here where we could get him some of that money back? Do you think that's how that started? I don't think Roman pitched it. I think Heyman pitched it. Yeah. Probably. I mean, I could. See I think Heyman like, is barely involved. In we this don't have whatsoever. anything else going on, so fuck it. Let's just do it. I think Vince told Roman, "You want to do that? I'm going to give you Paul Heyman, and you can tell him what to do." Because I still don't think Vince is thrilled with Paul Heyman, but he's paying him, so he's using him. 
I don't think he's thrilled with Paul Heyman, but he understands the value of Paul Heyman, which I think is Paul's why just as an soon as Paul and right Roman now. went to SmackDown, but as soon as Paul and Roman went to SmackDown, AJ went back to Raw. So you could but, see, yeah, but that could be, yeah, but AJ that could be from that could be just AJ. Oh well, we know AJ's got an issue with Heyman because of what happened with the Good Brothers or Gallows and. Anderson, whatever you want to call him, and that's why he went to SmackDown at first. Then, then suddenly Heyman shows up, and now AJ is back on Raw. But so I tell you, what, I tell you, what, Heyman did a great job in that match too, because he, the way that he sold just the shock and horror of what Roman did, and this is a guy who fucking has been next to Brock Lesnar for some really heinous, nasty shit over the past five, six years. He watched New Jack kill a kid in ECW. Come on, true. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's yeah. funny is if you're not following just Jesse, give her a follow. She's a gorgeous girl and she's got a great uh, opinion on wrestling. And we might be able to get her on this show at some point. Uh, her tweet was, uh, "What is the scariest wrestler or gimmick you've ever seen?" And I've just like quoted that shit. New Jack, here's a gif. Goodbye. You're not too far off. I can't think of too many to argue, New Jack. No, I mean, if you want to make it real, that's it. And the best way to know New Jack is fucked up, he's friends with Cornette. Cornette likes him as a person. <laughs> yeah, well, so think, think nothing, about that. Yeah, because all the hatred that Cornette no. has in the in the in the industry, him and New Jack are cool, but not because they see it eye to eye, because they just understand each other. Right, because <laughs> nothing's more real to Jim Cornette than wrestling, and nobody made wrestling more real yes. than New Jack. Since Broser Broody, since Broser Broody went down to Puerto Rico, okay, that's the deal. Did you say Broser Broody? A Bruiser Brody. <laughs> <laughs> I think Broser Brody is the uh, the working that's title, the title of, of the TV episode of the episode. Is now, War, yeah. Broser Brody. Season four, Broser Brody. No way, I couldn't make that. I couldn't let that happen. Max Holiday would kill me. <laughs> is Max that much of a, a fan of Bruiser Brody? Or have you ever a... have you ever seen Max? I seen Max, and I know the Very... gimmick, but I didn't know that well, was why. Because there's been a lot of Bruisers in the game. If you get my drift, there you go. I don't know Max like you know Max. I've talked to him a grand total of twice. The bearded, <laughs> the bearded Bruiser, Max Holiday. You sure it's not the bearded brawler? Yeah, well. That... <laughs> The that's that's Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Bruiser. You just you just want that to happen so that we both get our asses kicked by Max. No, you can have him listen to the show. That'd be funny if he tweeted about it because I brought up the wrong nickname again. <laughs> uh, oh shit! But so yeah, so Hell in a Cell knocked it out of the fucking park. If, if we're just gonna tie this back up and you know well, bring it full circle, talk about Randy Orton, fourteen-time champion now. I mean, I don't think we can leave hell in the cell without acknowledging what went down. What'd you guys think of that, Matt? This is the one that I said was good, but a little yeah, too paid was, by the numbers was, for me. Yeah. Mm, because they, it's like, you know, they're going up on the cell. Somebody's crashing through the table. Okay, and this is just SummerSlam, the ending, but Randy gets it right this time, and that's it. I think the <laughs> real question here isn't, or, or the real thing to talk about isn't that, I mean, congratulations, Randy Orton, 14 times, you know, I mean, the They're guy great. is forever one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time, especially when he wants to be, right? No one can argue that. I didn't second place now for title reigns if you really want to look at it that way. And, but the bigger question is. Yeah, 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 continue. <laughs> it's, 
What happens to Drew McIntyre? Apparently him and the Fiend are going to get into it for a while, right? Or Keith Lee, or he's, he can stay relevant. Like, uh, there's no pain to Drew McIntyre. McIntyre's Does... looked great for this entire thing. He's technically won the, if it's a best of three, you know, rubber match mentality. He's two to one. He just lost once. I'm saying, does Drew does McIntyre ever hold a world title again in WWE? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. You don't Are, think so? Did you disagree? I said, okay. <laughs> I believe you. I know That's... we can jump in the line. <laughs> you I, know, don't we th- can... I don't think we've convinced him, Andrew. I, I think he's he's That's doubtful right. of it. It's beer. Yeah, that's right, man. Yeah, we can do it all the time. Drew McIntyre, man. You know, he coming from Jamaica, J-Town. It's okay. Kingston, Jamaica, McIntyre. Yeah, champion. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's like, wow. Hey, and then he started it, so figure that one out. It's funny because, you know, Kofi was from Boston and you're from Jersey. You know, you guys both have pretty much the same Jamaican accent. Is, does that mean that Drew McIntyre's from Ghana, West Africa? Is, oh, is that coming next? Man. No, no. Damn. But, but if, if if you guys think, you know, whatever, Drew McIntyre's going to be WWE. He's going to be WWE. He's going to be a world champion again in WWE. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, that's just like... Uh... Your opinion, man. This is true. Do you consider the universal on the same level? Are you, are you going to go with semantics, and do you mean WWE and universal are the same level, or do you specifically mean WWE? Oh, I said a world champion in WWE. And neither one of them are technically the world title because one's the WWE championship and one's the universal. So we can, we can get really pedantic right now. <laughs> Right, but when they say... Uh, Do you mean top uh, championship in the company? Okay, well, I could say... If I said heavyweight championship, that would be one of four. When I say world title, that's one of two. Because when they say world title and Randy's 14-time, that means universal WWE or, back in the day, they, they big gold belt. What words they want to use. Yes, okay. So, yeah, I, I still say yes, either universal or WWE. He's going to get that again. He's got the look. He's not the chosen one. It's not, you know, there's no more broken dreams. He's a whole different McIntyre, and he's going to have two or three more title reigns at the very least. He did nothing wrong in that title reign that that should blacklist him. It's not like he's Jinder Mahal, sorry, Greg, or something like that who, you know. I'd say Jinder Mahal. Jinder, I'd say Jinder Mahal gets another world title reign before Drew McIntyre. How's that? Not a chance. No chance. The way the story built out to me was that Drew at first championed Ric Flair and the boys in the back to get their vengeance on how Orton used to be. Then he was championing all the legends that Randy Orton went through and embarrassed or demolished to get to that point. Then this third time, it was only for himself. He didn't actually have a cause to champion. He didn't have a babyface reason to take out the heel. He's just like, I'm better than you. I'm going to do it for myself, which is selfish. And that's that's the undoing of Drew McIntyre. So as soon as he has a thing to champion, he'll, he'll win the belt again. And during that match, you could see, like, he knew he was being lured up on top of that. And, and Drew sold that well, knowing that Randy <laughs> suckered me in on this. And he went and did it anyway. And he paid the price for that. And and that, 
that I thought was a pretty good storytelling as to Drew's, I don't want to say arrogance, but confidence in his own abilities that yes. he was in his first ever Hell in a Cell match. Randy had him set up. He knew Randy was setting him up, but his ego and his pride couldn't let him just say, fuck you, you come down here. I'm the champion. I don't have to, I don't have to beat you. But he went up there and he paid the price. So I thought that was good storytelling. And, and you know, but I agree with you, Andrew. I think I think Drew's got that it factor that especially when they get crowds back and, and if they get the right build to something, then, yeah, I mean, put Drew over again. Let's see it happen. Agreed completely. I mean, I, I don't really think we have anywhere else to go on this because we do have four other topics as per the. Uh, Wait, you don't want to talk about Elias and Jeff? Show. Oh, never mind. Go ahead. Do, do you want to talk about Elias and Jeff? Number two on <laughs> iTunes. Absolutely not. Number two on iTunes. He was number one at some point, or at least at the point he took the the screenshot and put it on Twitter. So that's impressive for him. Yeah. You know, he, he's talented. I'll give him credit. Like I like what they're doing with him in, on the main roster. Elias, I will say, Elias is the only one of the few people that thrive on the main roster comparatively to NXT. NXT didn't know what to do with him, even when he did the goofy El Vagabundo thing for like the one the one off thing because he lost like the loser leaves town. But he's he's flourished on the main roster. Yeah, he has. Can I ask you guys one question? Just no. you know, you don't even have to extrapolate on it. Okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go for ask it. it. Come on. <laughs> Who is going to be the one to dethrone Roman Reigns? I heard on Greg's show he's talking Big E, which seems like a good choice. I've got a different idea. I want to see what you guys think. All this silence, man. Just making making these guys contemplate this well, stuff. Well, you know, you could have The Rock beat him at Mania, and then you could have the, the, the comeback, and you could, you, could, you could have Rock, if you could get him to do three, but I doubt it. You probably just does the one and loses. Um, man, you know who's is there? Who's on SmackDown right now? That I mean, it's not. There, I don't think it's Biggie. I think Biggie. Well, I oh, that's tough. Maybe. I don't. I I got an idea. Fantasy booking by Dave. Andrew, do you have a guy off the top? Of the, I don't. I don't know. I'd have to think a lot more about this until. I'd actually have to look to see who's on SmackDown because I don't know the way everybody went on the in the draft. Maybe like you want to hear Okada. How about that's the one? That's the guy that came. That's who first came to my mind. But now I'm like, what about Okada or Chris Jericho? Okada. I would have went with Daniel Bryan only because of what he said on the talk show. I guess like things that don't his last run. Yeah, I know you just like saying shit. But no, I think I think Andrew's. I think if it's Daniel Bryan, if this is his last full time run, well, Stephanie then, called him a B plus player at the draft, and he, they could recreate the ultimate underdog story. Let's say Roman beats the Rock at Mania, and Daniel gets a shot against him at SummerSlam, and that's where the title change takes place. That would be a really good story, if they build it right. Boy, yeah, there, there's a if way you had a yeah. If you had a crowd, Lars Sullivan would be a great one because they would boo the everliving fuck out of him. If you want to make somebody, if you want to make somebody, you're talking about making somebody, right? Like, so Biggie's the number one guy that you would do it, right? But how are you going to do that? Is Roman really going to be heel enough that people are going to be so happy that Biggie takes it away from him? Like, Roman could be the baddest fucking guy in the world and they boo him until he comes out until the people 
they can't even boo anymore because their fucking cheeks hurt so bad, right? But if Lars Sullivan came out and beat Roman Reigns for the fucking title, people would hate the ever-living fuck out of Lars Sullivan more than they hated him for the bullshit he said before. Trust. The, the, the problem is with that, to me at least, personally, Big E could beat Mother Teresa and people would pop. Lars Sullivan, people legitimately don't like and don't want to see. So it's not going to be a, we hate you more than Roman, so we're going to be irate if you win. It's, we don't want to see you in the first place. And Sullivan's skill set is not on Roman's level. So you have to get someone that people will care about. I appreciate you continuing to make my point. You can make that point, but you know Xbox X Xbox was never WWE champion or WCW champion or any relevant champion that mattered. And we're talking Xbox heat if we're gonna go with you know Urban Dictionary kind of shit. So Daniel Bryan would be a nice story. It would work well if it's his last run. Give him a six months after he beats Roman, and then have. Roman take it back or give it to Morrison off of, off of Daniel Bryan because everybody's bitching that Morrison's getting overshadowed and he went from being the number one guy in Lucha Underground and TNA to now he's just fucking making jokes and being Miz's sidekick. So you could do that too if, if you just want to shut up the smarks, so to speak. But think- Lars Sullivan is not anywhere near main event thing because Lars Sullivan's skill set is actually worse than Braun Strowman's, and Braun Strowman has no reason to be near the main event scene aside from his size. I just want to know when Eva Marie's coming back. That's all I really want to know, guys. Dude, I would rather Eva Marie and Lana to trade the women's championships back and forth for three years straight than ever see Lars Sullivan get a championship title. All right, all right, all right, we're moving on. We're moving on to the next topic. I'm going to get the last word on this one, though. I'm going to say this. John Morrison is going to turn super heel when he steals that briefcase and cashes it in unsuccessfully on The Miz. Okay. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're wearing boots and you brought a shovel because you're currently waist deep in the Halloween episode of Pod is War. And gentlemen, I love how you got the crying and the breathing in that musical clip there, Tony. That was fantastic. You're welcome. Reminded me of my last relationship. Thank you. Oh, the crying and the heavy breathing. Thank you. Yes, yes. I'm not hey. proud of it necessarily, but hey, I, it should happen. So you need to follow your brother's lead and get a girl, man. He's he's uh, tearing up some shit, isn't he? He's had one in like three years. I'm okay with my numbers. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so back to wrestling. Speaking of war, <laughs> I'm okay with my numbers. <laughs> Speaking of havoc. Halloween Havoc returns. We're talking Impact. 
Do you want to talk about Jessica Havoc? Nice! Not yet. We're almost talking Impact. We'll get there. Oh, okay. Go, go, go. We're, al- we're almost there. Halloween Havoc. Little NXT action this evening. I, 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 before we get into it real quickly, um, what, what is it? The CWC, the, the Central Wrestling... Um, the Capital Wrestling Center? Capital Wrestling Center. Why do I just want to say Central? I don't know. Capital I Wrestling you were going to say Cruiserweight Classic. Oh, there you go. I like that, too. <laughs> Where the hell has Zack Sabre Jr. been? Bring him back to WWE. And Kota Ibushi, too. <laughs> Japan! <laughs> Japan! I know where he is, guy. I just, you know, want him back here. Anyway, I, how do you guys like what they did to Full Sail there with, the, you know, they kind of fenced it up. They put the LED boards. They made to the two walls for you, right? Um... I, I like it. I think it's better than the Thunderdome. Is it Full Sail or the PC that they did? Not you, PC. The other PC. <laughs> Isn't it the same place? No, Full Sail and the Performance Center are different places, aren't they? I thought they were. Pretty I sure they the are. The Performance Center was at Full Sail. I no. thought it was at Full Sail. Don't yes. get Google. God damn it. No, I don't want to Google. Now you we sound like, like DP. You go to hell. We like to act like this is 1997. This isn't DWI. This isn't DWI where you and DP can ring a fucking bell or call for Google, okay? Well, you got to talk to me and Andrew. Full Sail Live, and then they had the Performance Center, which was a different location. But, I think the Performance yeah. Center is in Full Sail because it's, it's, you know, it's not the actual ring and the thing that they present necessarily. But if you're listening to this show, please uh, tweet us know, and answer us and correct us, please. At pod underscore is underscore war. There's two underscores in that one. Three men weave, I think there's only the one. But I, I like the setup. I like the little bit of people. I like the little bit of Thunderdome. I, I, it, it looked really cool. Like I liked the setup for Halloween Havoc and everything about it. Dave? Yeah, ever since I saw it at uh, TakeOver 31, I, I dig it. I mean, it's, it's different. You've got the... I mean, it's it's unique. You got the mix of the virtual fans, and then you do have a few real fans. You've got the plexiglass, but then they put like the chain link over the plexiglass to kind of add a new element to it. So it's not just that fucking stupid plexiglass. Now it's got a pro wrestling feel to it. So I thought I I mean I love the Capital Rep Wrestling Center. It's 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 a unique environment. It feels gritty and it feels very NXT. You right. know. I don't know if it would work so well on the main roster, which needs to be more glitz and glamour, but it feels down and dirty like NXT is kind of trying to portray themselves right now. Andrew, I want to let you take over the reins here because me and you were texting today back and forth, and you were looking forward to Halloween Havoc, as was I, and I'm glad it's back, and I feel like there's a possibility of more Halloween Havoc to come in future podcasts this week on the ChairShot Radio (laughs) Network. Most likely it is that time of year. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so, it felt to me like a pay-per-view. I love the spin the wheel, make the deal coming back. I love Shotzi up there with the, you know, the the, the, the blade saw or whatever the fuck she had and the piece of metal she was grinding away. Mm-hmm. But how about the start of the show and Damian Priest's entrance? That was fucking phenomenal. I mean, whoever they got as the guitarist, definitely you know leaned into that Zach Wild kind of way of playing the guitar cuz he made love to that whammy bar way too much but it was fun it was cool don't get me wrong it's just if i want to listen to black label society i'll put on some blessed hell ride and i'll stop there dave 
Because wow. I know you're another metalhead, so you can at least chime in on this this quip. Hottest <laughs> war. Make love to your whammy bar. There's a good episode title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I liked. I mean, it, let's if we're being really honest with all of ourselves here, this Halloween Havoc may have been one of the best ones of all time. Oh, fuck and, I know yeah. they, and I know they haven't done it in a long, long, long time. But when you look at some of the trash that WCW pawned off on us at Halloween Havoc in the past and compare this to it, it's like, whew, that was a damn good show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, can't, I, would, I can't complain about it. I would attribute the overall tone before you guys get going here uh, to Wade Barrett, who does a phenomenal job on commentary. <laughs> and the fact, it, that, the fact that we got this line at Halloween Havoc this evening. Zombies are legal in this matchup. The fuck was that? Was that Scottish? It was bad. Are we going with Scottish even though he's not Scottish? And it's just like, zombies are legal in this matchup. I've got some, I've got some bad news. Okay, so you've heard him say that, so that's better. So, zombies are legal in this matchup. There we go, that's a little better. Uh, That's better. I think that could be the name of of the show, right? There's zombies are legal in this matchup. It's too long, it'll be orange. <laughs> too bad it's too long it'll be orange can't be the title that would be fantastic that <laughs> might that work works. that I'm might not... work make that work that might Let's work write that down as a possibility i don't know that might be but too long too it opened up with a that might be too long match. too hey it opened up with a great match with priest and gargano i love that it was it was so it was it was just cool because it didn't stop at the points you thought it was going to and it actually lived up to the Falls Count Anywhere kind of thing and it steered into the Halloween Havoc skid and even having fucking, you know, the this, this Scream g- person come out in the Scream Kai kind of thing and help him out, like, that was great. The bump with the tombstone was pretty cool. Like, it was a cool fucking match and I loved the Cameron Grimes Dexter Loomis match because not only did P.S. Michael Hayes get one of the biggest pops of the night, be it be it funneled in or not, that was fucking hilarious. Then you got Grimes doing his damn best character work, like, just being a fucking obvious chode on, like, a fucking horror movie, especially, like, the whole thing, like, oh, I didn't know Dexter had a sister. Ooh, uh, I'm feeling kind of grimy. Let me get in there, too. And then it's just, like, it came off like an Evil Dead movie, and that was the best part where it was so stupid and campy, but, like, I felt like Sam Raimi directed this whole fucking, whole fucking match, and it was beautiful. I wanted Bruce Campbell to show up. And then we had most I wanted like... Ron Jeremy and One-Eyed Monster to show up. Oh, I'm sorry, we can't talk about going. him anymore. Yes. We can't talk hey, about hey, it anymore. Hey, see, I'm not the only one to bring up Ron Jeremy, PC, so fuck you. <laughs> so, wow. and then it was, it was very obviously, or at least Chris, obviously, come back. I'm stuck with the Ron Jeremy fan club. <laughs> <laughs> or the PC Cat and Zero had to be one of the zombies because the way she was crawling around Dexter Loomis, that was completely Cat and Zero's kind of wheelhouse right there because she's gymnastic and athletic and all that stuff. So that looked good. The zombies were cool. It was campy, yes, but you're also talking to the guy that covers Impact for the site, and I'm used to cornball. Like, it, we'll fucking Allie got murdered in the Undead Realm three years ago. So, like, I, I don't mind a little Buffy the Vampire Slayer in my wrestling. So it's it's fine. And, like, that was fun. Grimes did great. Loomis did great being creepy. The matches were good. EO and Candice fucking was a great match, even though it was... Shorter than I would like, but it still had a lot of great elements to it. 
Raquel and Rhea wasn't as good as I think other people were saying it was to me at least because it seemed obvious but that was me and then uh, McAfee Pat fucking McAfee for the brand boys coming out doing his talking bit and then fucking Pete Dunn Pete Dunn with a swerve oh that was so good Pete Dunn looks like he was training with Roman while he was over in the UK because didn't he come back in phenomenal shape or what well, I mean, he was never in bad shape, but you're right. He came Not out in better like shape. Not like this. Not cut yeah, up no, no, like it was he better. Now. It was better. You're right. You're completely right. And, like, just done fucking over Kylo Riley. And you can even you can even throw a thread in there Kylo for when Riley. Roddy fucked over Pete to join Undisputed Era. So that could be Pete's vengeance on Undisputed Era for when they fucked him out of the tag championships. What was it, two years ago or last year? I don't know, COVID at, brain. Who knows? At, uh, New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's... There's so many nice threads that you could throw there. And McAfee just jumping on the top fucking rope and just clapping along and having people do shit. McAfee is a fucking treasure, boys. Like, For the Brand is the best fucking thing they got going on right now. And all of a sudden, yeah, For the Brand is suddenly a very powerful faction. He needs one more. I figure he's going to have one more now. He's got Ione, he's got Danny, he's got Pete. Okay, Who's the so fourth going to be? What British guy do we pick? Because apparently he's racist against Americans. Because everybody's apparently. got to have the foreign flair. Dude, <laughs> I wish it, I wish it would be fucking Walter. But I mean, he's got his own deal with Imperia. But... Ilya? Uh, what about Ilya? What if Ilya was for the brand? Oh Jesus! And they, they snag the title. You figure it's got to be somebody who's over. I mean, I wish it was Devlin. I wish Jordan Devlin was coming over. That would be perfect. Why can't it be a woman? It could be, but who would you grab then? Oh, Piper? I'd, I'd grab, Viper, I'd grab Tony Storm. I'd, I'd Tony grab, Storm would be good. I'd grab plenty She's of Australian. them. There's a large number of, of them I would grab. I mean, I'm I'm partial to Rhea personally, you, but you know, you yes. I'd Trump grab... Now you're just grabbing that anyway. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> I thought we were talking about bringing someone into a faction. Yes, oh. factions, Dave. Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm with you now. Jeez. You were with him on the other one, weren't you? Don't lie. Yeah, I was. <laughs> oh, shit. But no, like, this is great. For the Brand is fantastic. McAfee is in his role right there. And I love how even he even found a way to frame it to Barry Cole. Where he was talking about how he came in his only his first match ever, and he he put on this banger that stole the show, and Cole's just all about himself flexing over him and like lording over him, basically saying "fuck you, you ain't shit." When it was McAfee's first match, and like I I love how he's taking that heel angle of putting the guy over, but also making him seem like a dick to put him in the right. And this is just such old school heel way of delivering the promo, even when he goes to the crowd and starts running down the crowd first and then picks his promo back up adding the crowd into it and then just kind of keeping on where he's going it's such a good element that you don't see anymore and it's it proves that he's he's a fan of the product and that he's a fan of 80s 90s wrestling because he gets it he gets how to run people down he gets how to put people over and fuck mcafee talking i could listen to that man talk all day every day which is also why i listen to his show more often than not did you guys see Gargano taking the North American title? I didn't see that coming. I thought they were both going to take it. I thought it was going to be Candice Johnny Power Cup. I, I did too for a second there. I but once he won, once he won, 
Yeah, once he won, I thought the same. I didn't, but I mean, who's the guy in the screen mask? That's a good question. I mean, who is it, do you think, from NXT UK or from NXT that we haven't seen in a while that would go into the Gargano way? Because he's he's bigger than Johnny because there was a little bit of size there, and he was able to kind of lift Candice up easy and help her up. Can you imagine if it's Ciampa? After all this shit, if it's Ciampa? God, I hope not. That would that would suck. He looked too wide. Like he looked too. His shoulders looked too look wide. wide. I'll say Damian Priest is bound for the main roster because the improvements he's made over the last few months and the his the way he looks. I mean, he is main roster written all over him. Entrance. But why? But why? Why are we gonna put? Where are you gonna, They just bring these guys up and don't do shit with them, Tony. You know that. I don't have to tell you that. No, but. Just like Punishment did in ROH. I don't say that a lot of, about a lot of people in NXT, that they look like they're main roster ready. My my problem with Damien is that a lot of his gimmick during the match is marky fandom bullshit. Like, the let, I think TakeOver 31, he pulled out the razor's edge, he dressed like Diesel... Then they made, oh, right, he does a sting thing. And, like, I'm, I'm kind of sick of him having to live off of his fandom and not himself. And I also hate the fact that his Titantron does not burn out like it would if there was an arrow going through the middle to make his name appear. And it's just a shitty fucking fire graphic. That pisses me off from an aesthetic point of view. The fact that he bothers you that much makes me feel that much more assured that he is so much ready for the main roster. Because you despise WWE main roster. I, that's not true. I love I love Randy Orton and Dave and Drew McIntyre. And like I can pick a few. Shut up. Anyway, God, but no Priest. I don't think is ready yet. He, he's he's not a big enough deal. I just I wish I could figure out who was behind the screen mask because I can't think of who from NXT UK or who from NXT that hasn't been in there when a, there in a while would be under the mat like Cassius Ono isn't with NXT anymore right oh god that was guy did not look like Cassius Ono I mean for all we know he could have got in shape we haven't seen him in like five months I know he got a thyroid issue but he could have got a little better could have (laughs) it's Finn Balor that'd be fucking on stilts yeah that guy was taller than Johnny Gargano so that's true Finn Balor in platform shoes, Gene Simmons, everybody, or Paul Stanley. Take your pick. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Child I don't... I'm trying to think who that could be, who we haven't seen in a while, who would make sense. Uh... Be, even though it could be Cross if they wanted to introduce him under a mask and then slowly bring him back, depending on how quickly he's recovering. Yeah, maybe. But. That seems a little silly for Cross to match up with Gargano's. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. I guess we'll. Uh, I've got all all the speculation and no answers. Is anybody coming into NXT? Did they sign anybody recently? Who's? I don't know. It's Kushida. There. <laughs> that would be fucking hilarious if it was Kushida. Do <laughs> you imagine? Delbert Del Rio. It's Alberto Del Rio. I think he's got or, his own problems. Or you're what con- if you're concerned about game. you're concerned about us mentioning Ron Jeremy and then you throw out Alberto Del Rio. Way what to go. Dream. Trying to make it what feel better. 
No, the guy was too. <laughs> he was too wide. It's too wide. I, I specifically uh, remember him being up there with the bat and seeing like a broad-chested person. It was Ron Jeremy. That's who it was. Andrew. Okay, I think yes, it's time for topic it three. Cock. Definitely. It wasn't even a bat. It was this There's only one person that can get us out of this. Alfred. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thecheshire.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thecheshire.com. Monster Mash. It was a graveyard smash. He did the mash. It caught on in a flash. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. From my laboratory in the castle east to the master bedroom where the vampires feast. The ghouls all came from their humble abode to get a jolt from my electrode. They did the mash. They did the monster match. Oh my goodness, you are now chest high in the Halloween episode that is Pod is War. Wait, 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 wait. Real quick, since this is Monster Mash, before we go into the third third category, I want to give Dave a chance to kind of delve into his nerddom. Because the one thing we didn't bring up with Halloween Havoc that I wanted to bring up, we did, it just wasn't an opening. Shotzi Blackheart's first outfit. Was that Scream? from Marvel, the symbiote? Because it wasn't Rogue, and I couldn't place it. Do you think it was Scream? You're muted, possibly, Dave. Welcome to Bandwagon Nerds. You can find that right there on the chairshot.com. Follow muted. them You're at right. Bandwagon was... Nerds. Thank you for the cheap plug, Tony. I appreciate it. I was saying I didn't even think about it, Andrew. I'd, I'd have to... i got to go and look on her... You guys keep talking. I'll look up her picture and try and you do that because I think one of them was Elvira and the other one was like sexy devil or kind of thing like that. But I think that first one was Scream. So you you get back to me with that now, Tony. You can continue with the next question. I just yeah, wanted to bring up some shots. This is the part where I check out. I'll I'll go and look that up. This, this show it's, it's never a bad time to put yeah. over Shotzi or monsters. And you were talking about the monster mash, so Not that's a all. perfect Shotzi spot. Not at all. The deeper we get into this show, the more I feel like it's bound for glory. Andrew, we're talking Impact Wrestling. That's right. And uh, I did check in for some of it. I do know what exactly is going on over there. And congrats to, to Rich Swan on, on capturing the title and retaining it. Mm-hmm. And retaining it. Um, it was a, it was a good it right, sh- Tony. Get his name right. It is Rich Schlong. <laughs> or as Chris Platt likes to say, Rich Homie Swan. I feel like all is right in the tag team division again over there at Impact. I, I don't really understand what happened between Moose and EC3. Maybe you can enlighten me on that. I appreciate the uh, the call that they that they did on the fly when Heath got injured and Rhino took care of that match. And um, hopefully Alex Shelley gets better soon. Why don't you take it away and let us know exactly everything that went down 
at Impact because it was uh, at Bound for Glory because it was a hell of a show. It wasn't a bad show, and from somebody that follows Impact week in and week out, my major criticism of it was that it felt like it was story driven. So if you weren't a weekly fan of the product, you would have been left wanting. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but when there's things like, like you said, Moose and EC3, and they went heavy into the Fight Club, Tyler Durden thing, and EC3 was basically trying to give Moose this cathartic release of not being lorded over by the championship or by titles and to become the, the person he thought he should be. It was very philosophical and it was interesting in, in that in that kind of fight club way where it was deep with punching so it was a very dude kind of way of trying to be smart and I, I am I appreciated it especially from the fact that it was lined up where moose was all in white EC3 started off in a black hoodie so it even went with the old school cowboy western black hat white hat thing so you got that the the blood on the white he looked even better moose looked fantastic ec3 looked fucking great the fact that at the end ec3 you know moose is basically like is this what you want and ec goes yes and then moose is just like thank you and he clocks him with the fucking title and walks off like it was it was one of those movie like those action movie kind of moments and it was cool and the Bound for Glory uh, Call Your Shot gauntlet with that you mentioned where Heath looked like he got injured. I loved how on Impact the following Tuesday, they're underselling it, but they're playing that into the storyline. That, you know, Rhino was like, oh, when Heath gets healthy and and, and Heath kind of cuts him off, he's like, yeah, healthy eating like strawberries and and, uh, and lettuce and, and kale and all that other stuff. And he's, he's trying to undersell the whole fact that he's actually hurt even though the interviewer was like, well, we saw you get dinged up. And he's like, I don't worry about it. So it was a, it was a lot of storyline and I liked it a lot from bound for glory, but I can understand why intermittent or less dedicated fans wouldn't appreciate it as much. But that Eric young, rich Swan match was fucking gorgeous. Like it was great storytelling where Eric young wanted the leg because that was what he hurt from rich Swan. Rich Swan then dinged up his neck in the during the match, so then that was the new focus. But then he went back to the leg at some point because he said he was going to get it, and it's it's just it was this nice easy psychology of the heels going after a body part that he knows is weak, and the face is coming back, and it was just it was cool, it was well done, it was a great match, and the fact that North are the champions, the tag champions again after taking out Alex Shelley. That gives them, the Motor City Machine Guns a chance to kind of raise up some of the lower card people while being quote unquote weakened or injured. It's impact is in a really nice spot, even if you didn't love Bound for Glory. The way they told the stories and everything was actually really good for the product moving forward. Can we talk a little bit about Ken Shamrock getting inducted into the uh, Impact Hall of Fame and the fact that there was some WWE guys who came in there and they actually, you know, kudos to him and that nature and why he isn't in the WWE Hall of Fame blows my mind. That's a good point. Dave, do you have any thoughts on that since I've done most of the talking so far? Uh, you're talking about Impact, right? So, yeah, I'm not going to He's playing the Tony role here, this... apparently. Really? <laughs> And, and Dave, for the record, it's not you because I don't Japan closer than Impact, really. Yes, and it's not because I don't That's like impressive. Impact. I just don't have 
I just haven't had the time between. I, I focus on WWE and AEW, but as far as Ken Shamrock and whether he should be in the WWE Hall of Fame, um, add him to the long list of people who should be in the Hall of Fame and are not. And at the top of that list for me is Rick Martel. But uh, but that if he got added to the uh, Impact Hall of Fame, then that that's great. Who um who all was there from WWE, Tony? There was just a few video messages, I believe. Mick Foley, um, Bret Hart, Bret the Rock, and the Rock, yeah. And then even UFC people like Ross Bruton, Chael Sonnen, Ariel Helwani. I mean, so Ken, he, Ken he, is, got a, he got over pretty hard. Ken is probably what the first real crossover star from MMA to WWE who actually was successful. I can't. I mean, Dan Severn WWE, really didn't. Yeah. Oh, huh? Shamrock was way bigger than Severin, yeah. Right. Shamrock right. was I mean, the first full-blown wrestling superstar that was a legit superstar in mixed martial arts. In WWE, because Minoru Suzuki still lives. That's true. That's I, true. I'm just, if, if we're being on it, if we're talking WWE, yes, I agree with you. Fair, <laughs> fair, fair. He's got us on that one, PC. So. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be godden. I'm just. I agree. He's right. You are a god. You know that. No, I said gotten. <laughs> oh god! I was sorry. I was trying to really put you over, Tony. Don't feed his ego. Goddamn! You know better than that. You've been here more than once. <laughs> barely find a hat that fits now. I know. That's why you shave your hair? <laughs> no, it just doesn't grow anymore. <laughs> But it does seem like, from an outsider standpoint, it seems like Impact is really building some good momentum lately. A lot of people are really thinking highly of them. Um, <laughs> I don't know where you where you go. I mean, you really have to be, I don't know, about having a lot of time, but just really into the whole, everything that's going on to, to, to take the time to watch that or Ring of Honor and all that kind of stuff. Not to say you shouldn't, because you should, but, you know, that's my my big thing is like shit. I just don't have the time because I got to be a nerd and watch all these nerd things. And I mean, you have other priorities. You got to do a That's movie review every fun. week, and uh... <laughs> yeah, this, this of that, that should be coming out tomorrow, right? It should. But here's some insider news. Uh, we are going to review a Quiet Place, but Patrick couldn't find it for free on one of the streaming services, and said his wife would uh, not appreciate him buying it. So. I if guess Patrick we're gonna do. I think we're gonna do cabin. You should have. You should have said Patrick. Have Pat, you should have said. Dave, I was just gonna give to my. Me, I will give him my Amazon if he. I needs was gonna it. give him my Voodoo login, and I said oh, I better not do that. That's just not. That's that that can create some not between. Not that I wouldn't trust. I would trust Patrick a hundred thousand percent. But I'm just like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't do that. You should have said that he couldn't find a quiet place to watch it. Oh, that would have been funny, too. Yes. That's right. So I think we're going to do Cabin in the Woods for, like, Halloween Day or something like that. Is Okay, so it's going to be a little late. Uh, a little late just because I – and for the record, I loved A Quiet Place. We had not seen – neither one of us had seen that before, so that's why we wanted to watch that. I hadn't seen it. I watched – finished it, it this morning. What's it on? Fantastic. Amazon Prime. Oh, it is? Is it free? Or you got to buy it on Amazon Prime, It's right? free on Amazon Prime. Ooh. It's free on Prime? If you have Prime, it's free. My, my big issue with, with Quiet Place starts from the very beginning. and It's not quiet? I, I like No, it's a simple fact that the child 
and this is all I'm going to say, the child is like, what, four years old? Why are they in the back of the line with the deaf girl? <laughs> Why? Why would you have your four-year-old child behind everybody means. with monsters around with a deaf girl? Yeah, I don't know what that means. Dave, do you have an answer for that? The child's deaf? No. A different child was deaf. I mean, yeah, The one I child don't... is four, and the other child is deaf. Right, <laughs> and, 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 and to be fair, the mother, she beats herself up for not carrying the kid. She, I should have carried him and, and that sort of thing, so they fucked up, clearly. They, they I made mean, a big that, mistake. That's my biggest problem when, with that movie, is that the logic gap with the kid is four, and you already saw the kid try to put batteries into a toy because he's four and he doesn't understand the concept. You carry that kid because he's four. Like, I just, that that is a hard pill for me to swallow ten minutes into the movie. You know what I mean? I don't hate the movie. I'm just, that, that puts it behind an eight ball for me. I can't wait for the sequel to come out in 2027. That's going to be a, a, a great yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Hasht- hashtag 2027. That is the official hashtag of the bandwagon love nerds. On how they they figured out how to kill the things though at the end, but good god, that beginning fucking really All right. really hurt. Speaking of storylines <laughs> and getting back to impact, let's move forward to an unbelievable performance <laughs> in a who shot Mr. Burns I'm scenario. Well, I you pick. Go ahead. Why don't you set the scene? Well, much like in The Quiet Place, where they blow the thing's head off with a shotgun, Johnny Bravo apparently got shot during his wedding. So it's a uh, who shot Mr. Burns, who shot JR, kind of a whodunit type thing, where people are assuming he's dead, but if we know anything from watching The Simpsons and who shot Mr. Burns, he doesn't have to be dead. And if we know anything about Impact's world, they play in the Undead Realm a lot. So they could always go to the Undead Realm to go get Johnny Bravo. But yes, Tommy Dreamer sliding into the ring and doing the, Oh my God, he shot! No! Overacted bullshit was fucking... It was camp glory. Like, that that was fucking nuts. Do you think it was Tommy Dreamer that did it? No, because Tommy Dreamer, Tommy Dreamer had the best Halloween hardcore match in the world. He introduced the best black bag of toys ever. Candy corn and tacks. Tricks and treats. Who do you think? Who doesn't shot? love that? Okay, so who shot Mr. Burns then? Same know. person who shot JR Maggie? all those years ago. Maggie? I don't know. Hornswoggle was in that episode, so maybe it's Hornswoggle. They just picked the smallest person. Uh, <laughs> another murderer from Wisconsin. Hornswoggle's from Wisconsin? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even know that. He's got a promotion in Green Bay. No shit. I didn't oh even know that. Oh, God. Yeah. I don't check it out. It's Hornswoggle. Why the fuck do I care? It's... I'm, I'm glad you have some uh, from Wisconsin uh, you know pride in him. Though. You know How what, does that work? She said you know what Okada and Ibushi had for breakfast yesterday, but she didn't know Darren Postal was from fucking Green Bay, huh? know he was in the worst fucking leprechaun movie and that's including fucking back to the hood too <laughs> <laughs> oh, no boy. dave you're not a I, fan of the 
It feels so. I, I it feels know, so I, good I, I, to I, be I, back. Know, you're talking about shitty Leprechaun movies. Where, Dylan, where am I going to go with that? Dylan Postal, my bad. Ah, oh, shit. But no, Impact is fun. It, you you have to expect some campy cornball shit with it. A lot like with Halloween Havoc, where you know, like the Loomis and Dex and uh, and Grimes thing and Cameron Grimes thing was kind of Sam Raimi directed. Ever since the Broken Universe happened, DNA, Impact, whatever you want to call it, it's kind of steered into that Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of skit. And they do it better than most people. And it's become accepted now. So when they murder Allie, or they shoot Johnny Bravo, or James Mitchell gets resurrected to to uh, to do this wedding because apparently a demon and immortal needs a undead or demonic priest to uh to you know officiate it it's it's interesting because only impact can really get away with that kind of shit out of the american the promotions you know what i mean oh yes we know what you mean <laughs> absolutely i know what you mean a hundred percent thousand percent oh yeah 150 percent yeah <sighs> oh that's what they should have done shotzi should have done an old school macho man slim jim kind of commercial for halloween havoc i'm a little mad you did that would have been good slap and slap, slap me baby i mean snap into this tank yeah <laughs> in the tank snap into the tank oh yeah <laughs> Not- no, wow. he's, he's I, I, yeah, speechless. <laughs> did you just go rule thirty four on you. Did you just find something that you know you're gonna search up on Pornhub later? Spin the wheel, snap into it. <laughs> oh yeah, that could have been gonna snap into a Slim Jim match, right? There's some real possibilities there. That could have just been one of the wheel things. We're Can just I... like Slim Jim commercial. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so here's here's how big of a wrestling fan I've been my entire life. It's sophomore year in high school, and me and my buddy John Lindner, I still remember his name, uh, he introduced me to the Pro Wrestling Torch. He got it and brought it to high school, right? So I was a freshman. Um, the, the So obviously you start in one year and finish school in another year, right? So I finished my freshman year in 96, and I finished my senior year in 99. So the peak of the beginning of what's happening in wrestling i'm in high school right mm-hmm. we're in spanish class and we have to make paper mache heads we made a paper mache hulk hogan and i would always put it on my head and just walk around everybody and brother 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 and we actually had to make a commercial then the next year in ap spanish and we made a macho man slim jim commercial in spanish and i could tell you the <laughs> spanish verb saying for snap into it is excrunchate. There's there's a title for this episode. I can, I can also tell you that I got power bombed in said episode in said commercial for Slim Jim in Spanish class. So there you go. Little it pull that off like for the team, Yeah, for the brand, honey. For the brand. Well, at the time we were we were wrestling fans. So one of our projects we made a paper mache Hulk Hogan head, right? And then next project we had to do we had to do a commercial in Spanish. What? Al Snow, you should have made paper mache head and just hit people with no, it. No, we weren't there yet. We weren't there yet, I don't think. But anyway, that's the that's the extent of my wrestling <laughs> fandom. If you watched Bailey's Chronicles, she talked about how she would write the Hardy symbol on it and three extreme on every paper she turned in. 
So if you're a true wrestling fan, when you were in school, you found any reason you could to make any project into a wrestling project. This is true. That is very true. Yes. I had very many a sting in a wolf pack, you know, stories that I, I, I don't talk about because I don't care. Hence the reason why bandwagon nerds is on the chairshot.com because all wrestling fans are nerds. Not all nerds are wrestling fans, but the opposite is probably true. Couldn't agree with that more. Andrew, do you want to wrap up Impact Talk here and, and Bound for Glory and what we're going to do moving forward here with with, with Rich Schlong as your champion and clearly the hey, yes. the rematch is already... Well, Schlongster. End it like this. Get the, give the rematch me, get, out of the way. Right, that's what I'm saying. So tell give us the last words here on Impact, which is clearly, you know one of the better things that's going on in my mind now I might have to pay attention to that more than AEW I'm not really sure but that's a long way for me I've come Andrew that is very true you were very anti-impact for a long time that was part of the joke but yes yeah, so, so Rich Swan already has Eric Young behind him even though now Eric Young and Sammy, uh, Sammy Callahan are joining forces with their kind of insanity or whatever the hell they want to call it with you know Ken Shamrock you got the North and it looks like the Good Brothers is who they're going to be picking on and you know going for as their main challenge Motor City Machine Guns are probably going to try to elevate a couple people because Alex Shelley has the quote unquote neck injury Rhino and Heath are doing some of their best character work like between trying to get Keith Heath a job and now Heath's injury thing which they're underselling and they're they're just being funny. Rhino has great personality that you never saw in WWE or ECW because he's actually trying to be funny now. It's great. Scott Demore, you might think he's a little overbearing, but he's doing fantastic work. Sue Young is the knockouts champion and it works. Even though you're not gonna love her matches because she's not a work rate queen, she's doing fantastic fucking character work. Last thing I want to hear is what happened to Kylie Ray? I don't I mean I don't know. Conventional logic conventional logic will tell you that she was on quarantine because she was part of the collective match for what was it, Shimmer or Shine? And everybody was kind of on quarantine watch because somebody came down with COVID. So there could be that. But they used her name in the promo. So they didn't just say Sue Young took the place of somebody that should have been there. So it seems like they're still playing with the concept that Kylie Ray is going to come back. So it's not going to be an AEW story again. Personally, I would love it to be if Sue Young tied her up or trapped her in the undead realm <laughs> to protect her from like giving me, into the darkness. Because like Kylie Ray is the a possession like no, no, no. Because Kylie Ray is the smiley, happy-go-lucky Pokemon font, you know, happy girl. I would love it if Sue Young realized that's still her best friend, even though she's not Susie anymore, and tried to protect her from going dark to get vengeance on Deanna Perrazzo. And that's kind of the story we take, where Sue Young wanted to get her own vengeance and protect Kylie from going dark. That That's look, what I would like. I don't watch Impact, but if you're telling me they're tying up chicks, I have a feeling their ratings are going to go up. I'm just saying. Folks, we got two more quick hitter topics. <laughs> We got two more quick hitter topics to finish up this show. We hope you're enjoying the Halloween episode of Pod is War. We'll be that right back. That could be a title, too. Why should you <laughs> visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always 
use your head. If you have learned nothing, whoa, 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 whoa. if I'm put you over like a motherfucker here, if Tony, you have, before you continue, ah, oh, damn it, go ahead. That was perfect because Johnny Bravo, in the Impact Wedding kind of vows, quoted Adam's family, saying that Rosemary is creepy and she's kooky and altogether ooky, but she's mysterious and spooky and she's his little demon or whatever. That was beautiful, and I don't know if you knew that or did that on purpose, but I'm going to act like you did, and that was fucking wonderful. Now you may continue. I did do that on purpose, and I debated whether or not to put it first or last, but I figured the the main thing was Bound for Glory, so thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and I hope if we all learned one thing tonight, it's that Uki rhymes with spooky and kooky, and it may actually be a word. But words and songs don't always make sense. Gentlemen, <laughs> Serena Deeb, first off, let's start there. Congratulations to her. Her first women's championship, and it's one of the most prestigious ones. Good for her. Uh, secondly, what's up? Where's Thunder Rosa going? Is she going to AEW exclusively, or is she headed to WWE? Honestly, personally, I thought it would have been an amazing evening at Halloween Havoc to have a half-skull-faced painted Thunder Rosa show up. But nonetheless, that did not happen. Dave, I see you shaking your head. Why don't you kick us off here? Thunder Rosa's been on a great roll. Where is she headed now? Because you can even go to her official Twitter page, and I would imagine the rest of her social media. There is no affiliation except that which is the promotion that she runs on her own at home. In Texas. Well, I'd suggested you get her on the phone so we could ask her ourselves. But uh, okay, in light of the fact that that's probably not going to happen, uh, I I would like to see her go to AEW. That's where I would like to. I think she can make the biggest impact there. She's um, AEW. Let's let's be real, guys. Dear AEW's women's division. Dear Thunder Rosa, this is yeah. PC Tony. Big Dave says that I you know... need to get. You I know you already knew that. I know that you're a big deal now, but <laughs> I would appreciate come. if you would call me immediately. I'm currently podcasting, and you know the only place for Thunder Rosa news is Pod is War. Sincerely yours, PC Tunny. P.S. Please hurry the fuck up. <laughs> um, is what I would type if I had seven more beers in me. That's right. But in light of the fact that you're not going to type that, I, like I said, AEW's women's division needs talent like Thunder Rosa. Um, not to say WWE's women's division doesn't, because they do. But I think AEW's a better fit. She's familiar with what's going on there. She's already 
integrated with their champion, giving her some really good matches. You know, I mean, they do shit tonight. Like, Sheeta comes out and says, <laughs> she just declares she's going to face Nyla Rose <laughs> at full gear. That was so like, cringy. It's like, dude, I mean, th- this is really, I mean, we've already seen this match, and, and, and there's no rhyme or reason to anything that they're doing and how they're going to give a title shot. They just say, she just comes out, I will take on Nyla Rose at full gear. It's like, fuck. Okay. So that is a big red flag as to AEW's women's division. I mean, Brit's Brit. You know, Brit's Brit's all right. Uh, it would have made more sense to have her take on Sheeta at full gear. You want to sell your pay-per-view? Give that match, even though I'm not that impressed with Britt Baker. Sheeta's the most talented person there. The only person who's really gotten a very good match out of her Yes, the first the first Sheeta Nyla Rose match was very good. I, I I won't lie, but Sheeta and Thunder Rosa has been the best match that I've seen on AEW. They've got great chemistry. They work really well together. That's one that can go either way, and you can accept the result. So I'd like to see her go to AEW. They could use her more than I think WWE. They, WWE's got options, and yes, they're with Charlotte and Becky out. Their women's division is significantly hampered. And I, you know, I, I caught hell from Patrick for talking shit about Carmella on DWI 250, but I'm sorry. I, Carmella's Carmella's not good. Thank you, Andrew. (laughs) I I was trying to be more diplomatic, but I'll let you go in on that one. But, but dude, I don't do diplomatic. You know, I know (laughs) she's the best thing you say is she's all right. And that's what Mm -hmm. you can say about a lot of the talent on, on the women with the exception of Sasha Bailey and Oscar and maybe Shayna sometimes. Um, the roster's really just pretty meh. You know, it's all very average. And AEW's roster, women's roster, is kind of below that. Mm-hmm. So Thunder Rosa would be a big pickup. I'm still waiting for Tessa Blanchard to sign somewhere to bolster some of these rosters. But I, I think I think will WWE throw money at Thunder Rosa to get her there? Probably. Because they could use her at least while they're depleted right now. But I, I think she's a better fit for AEW right now, just off familiarity, off opportunities, off what she adds to a roster that desperately needs an influx of, of somebody of her stature. So I hope she goes to AEW. I see your argument, and I don't disagree with it on merit of what you're saying. Where AEW definitely disagree with it anyway, so that's cool. No, no, no. I'm, I mean, in the fact that AEW needs her. You're correct, because AEW's fucking women's division is awful. I am not a fan of Britt Baker. I will admit she can put on a decent match with the right opponent, but that's like saying that the worst wrestler can put on a five-star match with Okada. You know what I mean? Like, if you put the best person in there with a shit wrestler, you're still going to get a good match. So they don't really have a lot of depth. The most depth of a women's division, to me, comes from Impact. But then again, that's not even on her shortlist because Rosa did put out a little video teasing where she put like the initials on her hip and she was kind of slowly bringing down her shorts of, is it going to be WWE, AEW, or NWA? And she was doing it in in a flirtatious kind of way and then she ran off laughing. So it's either between NWA, WWE, or AEW. So using those three options... NWA, she has the most potential for growth and to be the star because NWA itself is a is rebranding. So if she wants to be at the head of the table, so to speak, she'd go to NWA. 
AEW's got a lot of issues. It's got a lot of bad women. It's got a lot of bad wrestling. It's got a lot of question marks. What you're going to do there. And WWE, much like you said, it's a little depleted at the moment with Becky out for pregnancy reasons and Charlotte out because of injury and because she's getting her own kind of health things kind of straightened away. But she'll get better matches there between Candice and Shotzi and Rhea and Io, even if she starts on NXT. Like, that's a pretty stacked roster of even independent talent that she's probably worked with a few times. So you'll get great stuff there. And AEW, we've already seen her have issues with Ivelisse because Ivelisse decides to not sell a uh, fucking hammerlock over the head or whatever, or Anaconda Vice, whatever exactly. Old Nelson or anything. Or, yeah, you know what I mean. So I know what you mean. There, There is some good matches, but there's also a lot of politics and a lot of bullshit that she's already seen when she's not signed there. So it depends on what you want, and it depends on what she wants. So will Tessa probably end up in WWE? I'm 99% sure she'll end up in WWE because AEW would look like a bunch of hypocritical assholes if they signed Tessa with her whole racist and all that other back, all the baggage she has. And they're trying to be the inclusive, everybody's happy here, and this is a, a only for nice people kind of brand. And then you signed the biggest racist in the women's division. No, I don't think that really, I don't think that really flies. So... I don't think AEW can run the risk of signing Tessa and Tessa going to NXT or WWE and Rosa going to WWE would just make more sense because there's more competition and it's just better. And you've already seen they can steer into that whole Halloween skid with Halloween Havoc and Shotzi and, and Dexter Loomis and Grimes and all that other stuff. So Rosa would fit into the NXT mold. Would she get lost a little bit in the main roster? Maybe. Because look at Ruby Riot. Ruby Riot's not a bad wrestler, but she's got no character. She's got no momentum, so we don't fucking know. She's just attached to Liv Morgan, and we're just like, oh, great. They both like to wear plaid. Aren't they cute? Hmm. That, that's their gimmick, right? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, like like we're saying, I think we're both we're both agreeing that AEW needs her more. She yes. probably has a better opportunity in WWE. Um, I mean, NWA would be good for her, but it's kind of like okay, been there, done that. She might want, she might want to do something bigger, something better, something to expand her portfolio, so to speak. Did you see Allison K's tweet earlier, Dave? I did. I did not. No. Allison Allison K tweeted to AEW about the uh, Layla Hirsch and. Serena Deeb match and she goes oh great it's between two people that even aren't even NWA wrestlers and then she responds to her own tweet going oh wait that's right we only have like three women on our roster never mind ignore me so like even Allison Kay was taking the piss out of the out of the NWA kind of roster and the depth there is or there isn't so there, is, there isn't well yeah because it's like what well, Allison Kay Marty Bell and Thunder Rosa. I think that's all they have at the moment because even Molina's go. going back to WWE. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, eh. So I don't know. NWA, as sad as it is to say at the moment, it seems kind of dead on arrival. DOA, if we want to go with a little bit of rhyming and, you know, wordplay I was going for. But that sucks because Corgan had a good idea and then Corona kind of killed it. 
So now NWA is right. working with AEW a lot. So maybe Rosa will stick with NWA and she'll just be that bridge for AEW and get the title back, perhaps. But I'd prefer to see her in WWE because there's just so much more for her to do. Do you want to know where I think she's going to go? Go for it. Well, you'll have to tune in to the DWI podcast this week for that. You're right there. Cunts. What a tease. And I don't know. I, you know. I, I've, only, I've only had three conversations with her. You know, multiple direct message conversations. So my opinion on that takeaway of those interactions will be very available this week on the 251st episode of the DWI podcast. And I feel like there's going to be some Halloween theme trivia there as well. Get her on the show. Get her on DWI so I go there and I can just say, I don't know. Look, here's... I, Here's I would, where I think you should well, go, and you can tell hear. me. A fuck I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint as to where I think she's going to go. Do I think she'll continue to message me back when I message her in the stream of our conversation that we've been having? Yes, and it's not often, but she does respond to me fairly quickly when I do message her and ask her to talk. Whatever. It's been a while, but. Do I think she will ever do one of my podcasts in the near future again because of where she's going? No. There you go, folks. That gave it away pretty quick. Mm -hmm. You're kind of a cunt. You know that, right? I don't mean a sort of term of endearment. You're just a cunt. (laughs) It's it's like Billy Butcher cunt, not the other kind of cunt, right? Yes, yes, the negative cunt. Like God, God is a cunt. Like, I don't mean it as a term of endearment. Wow. <laughs> I don't think we can use that for the title for the episode, Tony. We could, we could. Challenge, God is a cunt. Challenge accept. No, I'm no, 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 not doing it. <laughs> I'm not gonna edit it, and you know Greg's not. So yeah, but I'm that not. Would be good. Yeah, but I'm not doing that. I'm not. No, I, I <laughs> personally, I draw the line there, right? Like I, sure. I'm I'm the asshole. You can call me the cunt or whatever you want to do. That's fine. But I'm not. I'm not that much of that to publish Pot is War. What you said. I'm not yeah. even gonna say it. <laughs> In the words of Meatloaf, Tony will do anything for love, but he won't do. I that. won't. Tony won't do that. <laughs> there you go. Say bad. You never know. <laughs> It's too long. It will be orange. I think is still the leader in the clubhouse. We got one more topic. <laughs> We're gonna take a break, <laughs> and we'll be right back, folks. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Get real with the fever on the dance floor. On a track, I'm closing rampage. Ricky Rick on point with the knock I stop for my left. Debbie rolling the mad joints. Just put your hands in the air. Cause there's a party over here. So grab yourself a beer. And we can get our free for on. I'm with it. So let me put my big brown beef for on. I'm coming with the disco. I can flip so. I'ma drop a solo tip. Something for the honeys in the crowd. I see you guys laughing back there. What's up? You don't like that? You didn't like that? I think Andrew's uh, snort came through in the middle of the song there. So 
did. My mute didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? There's not... a title for this episode. My mute didn't work. My mute didn't work. That's that's up there. My mute didn't work. I'm writing this down. <laughs> I'm expecting Rockwell somebody's watching me to end of the show since it's Halloween. Kind of kick. So if that means you have to start Googling things, Google no, it because I think Rockwell. I think I just have to add it. I, I I had it on here and I cut. It got cut. We could just play it right How now. How did it get cut? We can play it right now. Wonderful. I already have an ending plan, so you can get it now. You asked for it, you got it. Toyota. Best rating show The greatest thing about this song. Is it made Rockwell? This is how great Michael Jackson was. You're gonna have to wait, Dave. All right. I was able to talk. All right, go ahead. Here, I'll pause. Hold on. Go ahead. Tell the story. You don't even need to pause. It's fine. Tell it over. Yeah, it. I was just saying that. I was just saying this is how great Michael Jackson was in the day that he made this guy into a superstar by just saying a few lines in his song. And Somebody this song. Me. Just, any, does anybody else know anything Rockwell did that was worth a shit? Somebody's right. watching me. Flat's going to be so mad he missed this episode. Yeah, so why does Rockwell sound like Thomas Dolby in this song? I I never... It's because it's the cool thing to... Hold on, guys. Here we go. Big finish. Big finish. Trick or treat, bitches. Here's the title for this episode. I always feel like someone's watching me. That might be orange, too. That or trick or treat, bitches, I think should be a good title. Oh, <laughs> trick or treat, bitches. That's a good I one. think trick or treat, bitches wins. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's get back to the topic at hand. It's the fifth topic. And I know, you know what? The. The fact that we're having fun is something that this gentleman who we have lost is very much known for. Before all that commotion, you heard the FBI theme when they would come down and specifically when Tracy Smothers would continue his career and be called out to dance in the ring to that song at many independent shows along the way. Uh, started with, in a tag team you know, with Steve Armstrong, WCW. Southern Boys made the heel turn. Young Pistols went to Smoky Mountain, worked for Jim Cornette. I believe there was uh, global wrestling there in between, and then the WWF. Um, Freddie Joe Floyd, baby. Freddie Joe Floyd. Jobber, <laughs> jobber to the stars, such as Stone Cold and Triple H, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. But then ended his career. ECW. Tommy Wildfire Rich. Had the pleasure of 
interviewing that NWA Hall of Famer. What what a great great interviewer. What a what a great guy. What a legend. And and you know and then you got little Guido and and you got the full blooded Italians. The main man, Tracy mm-hmm. Tracy Smothers. Gentlemen, he would go on from there and um, work plenty of independent scenes. You know, plenty of people wanted to see him. Died very young. Thoughts. Yeah, he even had some time in TNA, and I'll I'll let I'll let you finish this all out, Dave, because I'm I'm pretty sure you have more thoughts and memories of him than I do, because more more of my vivid memories are when he was part of FBI, and you know watching ECW when I wasn't supposed to, when my grandfather was yelling at me to shut the shut the TV off when it was like WPN or something like random fucking channel at like midnight and it was just him and little Guido and fucking big v- big Vito and you know all that other stuff coming down like it, it was fun he like he had fun he didn't fit in but the fact that in the middle of matches even he'd have a good time to like just dance and and pop the other guy and then they go into the match and it was it was fun and his t- time in TNA was very similar to that, where he was the older guy, kind of bringing the guys in, and he was, he was sort of kind of going on his own thing. And then I know that the story came out about a year or so ago that he was had, I think, uh, lymphoma or something like, like, like some kind of like cancer, and it w- it was rough because he wasn't that old. But the funny thing is, in my head, at least watching it in ECW and watching in TNA, he was always like that old guy in the group that didn't quite fit, but for fuck's sake, he had fun. And I thought, I did, I just find that amusing that he was only 58 when he passed away this year, but like, he even played the role of the old guy in like the FBI, and he wasn't the Italian dude like, like Sally, Sally Graziano or like, like Big Vito or like little, little Nunzio. Like he, he was just kind of, kind of the outlier, but it still worked. And he was fun. Like, I don't, I don't have a lot of, a lot of memories of him, which is why I'm going to deviate to you. But what I remember of ECW and what I remember of his couple pop-up appearances in TNA, it was always good. And shit, I, lo- I love the fact that Twitter today has just been everybody from Josh Alexander, Ethan Page, and LAX, and everybody that's relevant right now still has a good story to tell about Tracy Smothers and coming up. So that shows how good of a dude he was, even if it you know kind of transcended beyond whatever his gimmick was on TV, everybody seemed to actually like him as a person. And that, that says something. Yeah. I, um, Tracy was like the last interview I did of a big name star, I think on attitude of aggression before no kind shit. of went really? on this, went on this, went on this hiatus that I've been on this perpetual. Fucking hiatus. What was that? Like uh, a few months ago, Tony, right? Wasn't it? Was it um, early, early summer? It was spring. early 20. It was in 2020. Yeah. Cause the pandemic had set in and Tracy had, had talked about that. And the story is, and this is kind of an interesting story because uh, John Cosper is an author and, and John's written a lot of books and he collaborated with Tracy on this book called everybody has to buy this book or you must buy this book or everyone dies. I think that's, I, I've got, I bought the book. And that's so, the name of the book. That's the name of the book, and okay. and and I'd interviewed John about a year earlier, exactly a year earlier, on like the fourth anniversary of Attitude of Aggression, and he wrote a book about uh, the original Black Panther, Jim Mitchell, I think. And so when John collaborated with Tracy on this thing, and we, you know, I kind of got in touch with him, 
and he arranged the interview. So I was, I did it as a joint interview with John and Tracy. The day of the interview, Wikipedia announced that Tracy had died. And so I sent John a, a message saying, man, my deepest condolences, you know, that Tracy died. He goes, really? That's interesting. I just talked to him. And I'm like, dude, this is what Wikipedia is reporting. And so all of us had kind of a laugh about that during the interview with Tracy, but he was still in the hospital. He was still fighting chemo. He had, he was doing better. And that interview was one of the best ones I've ever done because he had so much knowledge and, and he and I, he and I kind of bonded a little bit because I wanted to, there was an event I specifically wanted to ask him about, about, which was the great American bash in 1990 where sting won the title from flair, wow. his first title. Mm-hmm. Cause I was there that night and really? I was, and, and that card that night had some like, and like, you were 35, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was 22, Andrew. God damn. I'm fucking with what a that old. What a dick. I know, but that's yeah, a, I am. Patrick would love that because he loves the you know to rib me about my age. But there the opening goes. match for that that card was the uh, the I think they were the Young Pistols by then taking on the Midnight Express so and, or the right. Southern Boys, and and that was the opening match. It was the longest match of the night. So he talked about. I asked him about setting the pace for that card. I mean, that card had. Flair and Sting was a big deal. But that card also had this guy, you might have heard of him, Mean Mark, taking on Lex Luger. And never heard of that guy before. Never heard of him. Oh. And I wanted to know from Tracy, because Tracy's got so had so much knowledge about the industry and it helped so many people. I was like, did you see anything in Mark that night that would have led you to believe that he would have turned into this? He's absolutely he's like, absolutely. He had something different. He was not real happy about working with Luger. Then again, who the fuck was back then? Uh, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Stan Hansen. So he had, I mean, he had, he had so many great stories about that night and, 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 and that card in particular and, and Flair kind of what Flair went through to pass the torch to Sting that night, even though we know Flair got it back not too long after, but Sting was so over and just the atmosphere in that arena. So I love talking to him about that. He was, uh, I mean, and he helped so many, like you're saying, Andrew, Twitter's just been a buzz all day with people wishing you know condolences memories well wishes the guy helped out so many different people and so many young wrestlers to kind of impart the knowledge to them that that they really need to get to that next level and yeah it's a tremendous loss he was a guy i grew up with and and i mean yeah just the fact that you know i was in the arena that night when they kicked off the show and uh it's a it's a massive loss and it, it is like 58 years old that's uh that's hard i mean you know and he had uh He'd done well at recovering, and I think he had, they had, from what I understood from talking with John, complications from an umbilical hernia surgery, and um, you know his his, DP, his DP lymph- had that. Yeah, I mean his lymphoma certainly compromised things. It wasn't COVID related, but I mean, yeah, he was. I I interviewed him. I remember it now, right before WrestleMania took place, because I'd asked him okay. about the empty arena stuff. And I remember that it was him. He was on that episode and Chris Silvio was also on that episode. And I'd asked both of them about the challenges of this empty arena sort of thing that was going on. And, and, you know, they both had interesting answers and Tracy was kind of like, you know, it's, it's something that none of us have really dealt with. Um, And, you know, cause I wanted to know whether they thought I want to know from him. Do you think they should have canceled WrestleMania or should they be going on? And he thought, you know, kind of like the show has to go on that sort of thing. Um, but he that was a great interview great guy uh, I messaged John today when I got the news I said I guess this time it's true and John's like yeah 
And I said, well, it sounds like he went down, you know, fighting. And he goes, oh, he went down swinging to the very end. So, um, you know, it's it's sad and it's it's unfortunate. It catches the best of us. But, yeah, 58 is awfully young. I mean, it's like, shit, that's seven years older than me. And it's... <laughs> So in your experience, was he legitimately that sweetheart that everybody's saying, like, that? that's not exactly the dude answered necessarily, but, like, everybody seems to say that he was he was always willing to help and he was always there for everybody. He's trying to always be the, the ear, the helping hand, and he was never... He was never above anything, and he was always trying to help propel the younger talent or at least smarten them up. Like, did I'll, you get that kind of vibe that he was really just that good of a dude in the system? I'll put it this way. The day I interviewed him, he had been in the hospital getting chemo and did not cancel out on this thing. That gives you a little bit of insight of the, oh, of wow. the, into the integrity of that guy. That he, so it, he did it, the it, interview post-chemo? yes. Yes. Oh wow! Fucking like nice. same the same day or the day after or something like that. I I don't I'd have to go back and listen to it, but he was still fighting and kicking out of this thing and still fighting it and was seemingly on top of it. But yeah, I mean the fact that they were reporting that he died that same day should tell you that something was going on with him. Mm. Um, but he had he had come out of it and he was still okay, but still fighting, still having issues. But yeah, he was still taking chemo, and I think it was either that day or the next day. Still did the interview. Um, you know, felt like shit. Talked a lot in that in that interview about about what he was going through with the cancer, mm -hmm. and I think it was in some small way probably a little cathartic for him to be able to get that out there and kind of express to the fans, "Hey, here's what I'm dealing with. I am a human being, and this is what's going on." But everybody who I've talked to, everything I've read in the book, and talking with John, and he just touched so many people's lives. I saw a lot of stuff on Facebook as well. Um, I know from talking with John personally that. He was a big influence on him, and 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 I mean, and Tracy would like tell John stuff, and he Tracy was so doped up on the on the chemo, he wouldn't remember anything that he told him, and and John would be the one to kind of be the historian behind this thing, because Tracy'd be like, I don't remember what the fuck I said, and, and John would get it right for the book. So that's one of those situations where two guys collaborating with each other really made the project work, whereas yeah. otherwise it probably wouldn't have worked out so well. But uh. Yeah, he was he was so great to talk to and just all that wealth of knowledge and just everything he said during that. And I mean, I'd, I'd have to go back and actually listen to it, you know, and, and kind of because that was one you of my better. Interviews. I know, it, I know, I know you, Tony, should, yeah. you should retweet it. I'll retweet it because like he sounds like a great guy just from how you're remembering it. And I feel like kind of a shithead, honestly, because I was only like 14, 15 around the ECW time. So. I just remember him as the old dude in the, the FBI that didn't quite fit in, and he was oh, just kind of dancing and having fun. And he like so occasionally he'd pop that. up, but like that sounds awesome. So I think yeah, you should I, totally retweet that. I, just I will do that. Not 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 even to just like you know make make, make bank off the death or whatever, because that's not exact. That's not what I'm no, implying. It's but it's like he sounds like he was a great tribute. dude, and this is something that people should hear, because if he was that real and that he would convey how he felt after chemo and just like try to relate to you on a human level aside from being like oh yeah I remember wrestling you know like Rick Martel or Lula or something like that like he didn't just put himself over he tried to relate to you on a human level like that's fantastic like honey you listened to the interview right yeah when it came out I don't think he put himself over at all did he really? I, I, I don't I don't remember him putting himself over at all during that thing it wasn't 
Like what I remember is him telling yeah, everything and, else that was going on in every story that was he was telling. That's amazing. Right. Yeah. It wasn't about I, I, him. honestly just just from a complete fan perspective, like the fact that he didn't even try to put himself over and he was just trying to relate to everybody and relate to his situation and just kind of get that part over. That's that's amazingly human and amazingly just mortal or just easily relatable you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean i i will i'll do that i will re re i don't know about reposting it but i'll definitely retweet or tweet it out again the, that episode so that you can listen to it andrew and hear it for yourself it was a uh, it was one of my one of my more memorable interviews one of the better ones i mean you know and ton, between tony and i and you too we've all interviewed a ton of uh of really successful pro wrestlers. He's one of the best ones. One of the best ones that stands out to me as far as an interview goes. No, that's fantastic. Tony, do you have anything to add? Because I know you've done a shitload of interviews in your time. I don't know if you ever got around to him, but like like I said, my inter- my interactions and in, in like perspective, whatever, is very limited to whatever ECW was. So it's, I'm assuming you have a much deeper perspective. I, Dave has pretty much said everything there is to say if you really want to know more about what was going on you know at attitude ag pay attention to the retweet and and go back and listen to the episode or or go to or go ahead and plug every plug uh uh, the website as well dave they can probably find it there right now if they want to go there yeah yeah you can go to attitudeofaggression.com it's right there it's uh i mean you'll see the headline i shit i'll and, go pull it up and, yeah <laughs> ahead, i mean Tony. it's it's not to get you to go back there and go visit a website that one of us are trying running yeah, or doing it's not or anything. just for clicks like it's, it's not it's not pers- this is like, this is that no way. no no this is just a really good interview for someone who just left us and you it'll make you feel better i think going back and listening to this and hear everything that he had to say um and and yeah, I mean, it, everything you hear, it, it's funny because it, it, it's not funny to me, but like Andrew, you said, all the words that people have passed forward about the man who has left us have all been positive, and it, it's, you know, the, yeah. con- the consensus is true there, so it's, it's tough. And, and I'll, I'll definitely admit to certain blind spots in my fandom where Tracy Smothers and, you know, certain aspects of the FBI ECW, like, they just kind of pass by as relics of the past and just relics of, oh, yeah, I remember FBI. I remember remember Tracy Smothers. I remember ECW. That was fun. That was goofy. But, like, I didn't follow it beyond that. And it seems like with everything everybody was saying, he was such a bigger influence and a bigger part of their life. Even... They don't even talk about wrestling. Like, Ethan Page, Josh Alexander, LAX. Like, so many people are just posting stuff about how much of a good dude he was and how he was always willing to impart knowledge or just put them over or tell them something. It's like, I I didn't see that from my personal fandom. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's the... Um... It's it was the fifth anniversary show episode two sixty seven which tells you I've put out one episode since this one too. <laughs> I've, been, I've just been so busy with bandwagon nerds and you guys that it's like why bother putting out my own shit? But uh, it was uh, April twenty second two thousand twenty. So yeah, right 
after or it was right around the time of WrestleMania that I put it out. So, um, but yeah, I will retweet retweet that because that was a good episode because it was Tracy John and and the Chris Silvio had a good interview as well on that episode. Shout out to him as well. Very cool. That's it for me, guys. I got nothing else. I mean, I'm 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 definitely good leaving it there because, like I like I've already said, my perspective is limited. And Dave, you spoke wonderfully, and Tony, you 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 kind of added your own two cents. It was it was fantastic. So, uh, Dave, why don't you tell the good people where they can find you and where they can find this fantastic interview? That's probably one of the last few he did couple months ago it, it might be one of the last ones i have no idea but um you can follow me on twitter at attitude ag that is at attitude agg or on facebook.com slash attitude of aggression also make sure you're checking out bandwagon nerds on the chairshot.com and follow us at bandwagon nerds where you can listen to myself and the one and only patrick o'dowd who i teased a little bit earlier in this episode but tremendous guy fantastic the leader the leader of the cl- of the clan there and now we got ray cash on board so we're going through the oh, villain nice. project we're going through the villain project right now listing off the best we did I the can, best movie villains i don't know huh? i i ray would probably appreciate it if you didn't call it a clan oh yeah <laughs> it's Damn clan it, Tony. why you got to go there man worry about it. because ray said ray will get the pat. joke because he said something to me at three man weave the other day so it's all good all right but uh, but we're Everybody doing the villain because we're coming up. We just did episode fifty of Bandwagon Nerds, and we're coming up on the uh, this is fifty one this week, fifty two, one year, and we're gonna finish the villain project right there, and then we'll jump right into the Mandalorian season two, which starts Friday. So, yeah, lots of good stuff going on in Bandwagon Nerds. So, um, make sure you check that out. We're doing our best villains in DC Comics this week, which is in it's right in Ray's wheelhouse and mine. Patrick, not so much, because he's a make-mine Marvel guy. Not to say we aren't, but, you know, Tunny, me, Ray, we're kind of more on the DC side. Patrick, definitely more on the Marvel side. So we will uh, we'll see how it goes this weekend. We just well, did the independent, independent Villains, which was a difficult <laughs> project. You're going to have to keep that Shotzi Blackheart scream thing in your back pocket just to appease, you if know, the she, German judge that is Patrick O'Dowd. Yeah, if she was a symbiote, and she dresses a symbiote, then it was Scream. And she probably got that from Marvel Strike Force because Scream was one of the featured characters there for. It two, looked close weeks. though, because the only thing I was thinking was like Reverse Flash, because it was yellow when then with red like uh, arm guards and boots. So I like it was Scream or Reverse Flash to me. You know, what I, I mean? think she's more of a Marvel girl because she showed up in the Ghost Rider tank. So oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I'm here so... for you, buddy. <laughs> That, that, thanks for clarifying all of that. Andrew, you uh, need to tell people where they can find you and all of your wisdom. I mean, they, they, they can find my wisdom, of course, at IWC War Chief, because the IWC needs a War Chief. Just like World of Warcraft needs a War Chief, the IWC needs a War Chief. So there, there's, there's a lot of nerddom involved in that whole Twitter tag within itself. And following I Impact you know, reviews and articles and new japan and just japan in general because i also covered a lot of noah during the n1 victory and my buddy matthew Serp- uh, serpicone you know followed the uh, 
All Japan Champion Carnival. So if you're into Japanese stuff, we've got Matthew covering the or the carnival and a few other stardom events. We've got Dave, who is doing the Suwama Station, which is more focused on All Japan and all things All Japan, or things tied to All Japan at least. So we, we are not just a New Japan site. So when we talk about Pororesu and we would talk about Japan, we definitely like to involve most of the big four, being Dragon Gate, All Japan, New Japan, and Pro Wrestling Noah. So it, it's a fun time. Follow it on thechairshot.com. Because it's not just WWE, it's not just AEW. We like to branch out. PC Tani, how about you? Where well, can they find you aside from a bar? Don't you dare say a bar. Uh, what? Oh, sorry. I was uh, over at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot buying a brand new chair shot t shirt. But you can find me at PC Tani. You can find what me. What about your lemonade, buddy? Is it angry or are we still not doing that? Are, are we doing that still? Oh, I don't know. I don't like to listen. To, I, DP plays that on a winner as you and other podcasts play it. I don't like to hear myself, so I don't really play it anymore. Go to angrylemonade.net. Stickers, pins, <laughs> illustrations. How's that? No, that's that's fine. Like that was one you took up yourself. That's why I threw it out there because I didn't hear that at all this episode. I'm like, what happened to Angry Lemonade? Yeah. Pot the, is War. I don't like to listen to myself. There's a good yeah. title for the episode. <laughs> That's not a bad episode, actually. Hey, everybody. This is PC Tony. I don't like to listen to myself, so I'm going to cut a brand new promo right now. If you're looking for new, brand new pins, stickers, or illustrations, head on over to angrylemonade.net. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to get, I don't know, some kind of discount, or maybe not, because I'm just filling in the plat roll right now. <laughs> Why don't you head on over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the CHAIRSHOT right now. Use the Use the promo code SPOOKY. Use the promo code KOOKY. Use the promo code... Use, use the promo code OOKY to maybe save oh some God. percentages oh. over there. All right. AngryLemonade.net. Yeah, you can still get the Platt Balazs t-shirt. Platt Balazs 2020. It's oh, Platt Balazs, the, new, the new slogan, Platt Balazs 2020. It's not too late. Don't vote for them. <laughs> Buy the t-shirt. Together, geez, even if that's not a word. <laughs> But seriously, if you're going to do anything, go over to thechairshot.com. Sports, entertainment, and sports entertainment, no matter what you're a fan of, there's something for you at thechairshot.com. Follow me at PC Tony. That was good. That that was nice. You tied in the Angry Lemonade. You tied in the Chair Shot. You know, for wrestling tees, you are a fucking professional. Not not quite Miranda where you're, you're not the most professional you know, podcaster on, on the site, but you're pretty fucking good. It's almost like you're the commissioner or like an intercontinental champion of something. Nope. Nope. Go ahead. <laughs> you don't want to say it? You don't bring it up? I'm you don't go for it? I'm professional enough to stop right there. Man, you might be next level professional. Such restraint. Damn, look at you. Fucking. Oh. Damn, I'm impressed. Quit agging me on and close the show. All right, all right, all right. We'll close the show. You know, that was Potty's War. Have a good time. Come on, all the good stuff on thechairshot.com. You know, we've got the, the news, the reviews, the attitude, whatever you like. You know, I'm, I'm not Chris Platt, but he'll say it better. I'm just going to have fun with it. Do, do what you do. Watch what you like. We've got a whole bunch of shit. And 
Shalom, motherfuckers, because this is going to be a good time. You know how they have decompression rooms after, like, you get fired or bad news or something? I feel like listening to Carly Simon, your Sylvain, after recording an episode of Pot is War is, like, our decompression room. That could be, actually. That's not a bad analogy. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. <laughs> 